Welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show, where energy and medicine meet. I will be your host for the next hour. I have over 19 years of healthcare experience and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My skill in moving energy combined with my medical background have been a catalyst for change in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show where energy and medicine meet. We're live here in Seattle. We're not going to talk too much about the weather today. I always do that just to ground everyone in your own area. And and of course, if you're here in the Northwest, then you can really get grounded because I usually describe it in pretty good detail. Um, But we're not going to talk about the weather right now because I'm sure wherever you are in the world, it's gorgeous, whether it's daylight or night, afternoon, winter, spring or summer. I'm sure it's stunning as Everything is perfect exactly the way it is, which we will find more about that as we interview our guest. I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Eben Alexander. He's a neurosurgeon who um, had a very interesting life experience about three years ago that changed his whole reality. And so he wrote a beautiful book about it called Proof of Heaven. And in a couple weeks, he'll be here in Seattle giving talks at the Center for Spiritual Living and also teaching a workshop, an East-West book event that will be at the Center for Spiritual Living as well. So we'll talk about that as well. Dr. Alexander III has been an academic neurosurgeon for the past 25 years, including 15 years at the Brigham and Women's Children's and Hospital and Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston. Over those years, he has personally dealt with hundreds of patients suffering from severe alterations in their level of consciousness, which is fascinating as we talk about his book and his extreme experience in consciousness outside of the human realm. Many of these patients were rendered comatose by trauma, brain tumors, raptured and raptured aneurysms, infections, or stroke. In his academic career, he has authored or co-authored over 150 chapters and papers in peer-reviewed journals, made over 200 presentations at conferences and medical centers around the world. He thought he had a very good idea of how the brain generates consciousness, mind, and spirit until until about how many years ago was it, Dr. Alexander? Welcome four, to the show. Four and a half years ago. Four and a half years ago. Well, welcome back to Earth. Well, uh, it's uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> and, of course, I had the pleasure of seeing you as, as the keynote speaker at the Wellness Festival in Sun Valley. It was a lovely talk. You did a wonderful job. And well, thank you. I, you're welcome. I'm so looking forward to your time here in Seattle and the Northwest, and I know everyone will enjoy their experience with you. So you've been back four and a half years. How does it feel? Uh, well, it you know this is the kind of thing, and people who study near death experiences will tell you that it takes decades, uh, you know, to really kind of process and get to the bottom of this kind of experience. I mean, it changes your life from the get go. But trying to understand the deepest aspects of the messages uh, can take uh, a very long time. I, in fact, I would say I probably will never fully grasp everything that. Uh, that happened to me there and all the lessons I was to learn. Uh, never grasped that in this lifetime. But it's it's great to be back and especially to kind of start making some sense of things about mm-hmm. my journey. Mm-hmm. And before your coma, did you believe in reincarnation? Uh, no. I mean, before my coma, I was very much a card-toting member of reductive materialist science, which says that the brain creates consciousness and uh, I would have told you that near-death experiences and any other phenomena of consciousness beyond the kind of physical here and now with the brain and the attached uh, physical senses uh, was not real. I would have just kind of put it down as uh, something that doesn't exist, that it's just a trick of the, trick of the mind. <laughs> but, and I now know that's not true. 
But, and as a scientist, um, you, you also, I'm sure, were, um, and especially as a neurosurgeon, aware of that science knows very little about consciousness. I mean, really, even when anesthesiologists take people under, they only know the certain levels that, that we take people under, and they don't even completely understand that concept. Well, uh, it, um, to, be, to be honest about this, I uh, had never really heard about the hard problem of consciousness, which, of course, is something that I uncovered early on in my research after my coma, uh, which is simply the statement that no one on Earth, there's no neuroscientist, no, uh, no one who studies brain and mind who can really give you the first sentence to explain how the brain, the physical brain might create consciousness. Mm. And I think that's the important lesson. I never questioned that before. Mm. Uh, and you bring up a good example, general anesthesia. We've been using that for more than 150 years, and yet nobody on Earth can, can tell you in any kind of detail fashion how that works right and or even in a kind of a sketchy fashion how right. general anesthesia leads to the alterations in consciousness that we observe so we understand very very little about consciousness from that physical materialist uh, scientific standpoint right and, and thankfully you know for those of us who need to have surgery thankfully um, that it works yes yeah. I'll say <laughs> general anesthesia is a good thing do you think that your years of taking care of patients during, you know, probably some of the most difficult moments of their lives and also being there as a conduit for their family, do you think it helped prepare you for your time on the other side? Oh, well, I think in retrospect, I can tell you that all of my experience in uh, patient care, neuroscience, neurosurgery, uh, in spite of the fact that I was kind of missing some obvious clues, as I point to in my book, that there were hints from patients and families that, uh, you know, some amazing things happened around the time of death of the physical body. And I just was not uh, awake enough to, to pay attention to get it. Um, and so I think, in essence, a lot of what I went through, and that includes uh, you know, those 20-plus years in academic neurosurgery and, and being, you know, bought in hook, line, and sinker by the by the very simplistic materialist view of brain creates mind, I think that was all necessary for me to go as deep as I did and to get the lessons out of my journey that I did, although it took me many, many months after my coma to even begin to glimpse the true uh, profundity of uh, those lessons and what they were telling me. And that, of course, is when I decided that my manuscript had to be converted to a book that would be out there for the for the world. Yeah, and the world loves it. Uh, you know, I was, yes, and <laughs> it's lovely. I, I've read the book, and it is really beautiful and inspiring. I even have my favorite page, which we'll talk about later. Okay. Well, it, I think it, it resonates, and, and in my view, it reminds souls of something souls know. Aww. And that's why it, I mean, I, I, I was mystified when it shot right to the top of the New York Times list the first week out. I just, you know, that, uh, I couldn't explain that, although I knew someday it should go be a very popular book because of the deep message inside, but how it hit number one the first week out and it pretty much stayed there for six months is something that was mysterious to me, but I, I came to realize that I think it resonates and reminds souls of something they know. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people who've been you know, actively studying spirituality, which was so interesting when I'm reading your book, it was coming at you in multiple ways, your wife and her dear friends who who have maybe had a longer, um, deeper 
awareness of spirituality before you had your experience. And, and, and you always were on the fringe with them, interested and, and had um, a curiosity towards it. But now you have your own felt experience, which is really what spirituality is all about, is having something that you can validate and believe for yourself. Right. Well, I think that's, that's really the value of my book, is it, I try very much to move this world beyond dogma. Mm-hmm. Um, people get addicted to dogma of materialist science. They get addicted to the dogma of religions. And those beliefs are often very tough to let go of because we start thinking that maybe we're getting an understanding of things. And it's kind of uh, frightening to think about jumping off and getting into the, the deep ocean of the reality and, and all the unknowns around reality. Right. Um, so, you know, it's... Um, I think it's about getting the discussion out there, though, because the answer lies within us all. And all I'm trying to do with my work is to try and point out to people that that simplistic material scientific worldview, you know, brain creates mind, is false. It fails at so many levels. And that's where we have to get much deeper into the mystery of spirit, soul, consciousness. And And in the scientific sense, the mysteries of the enigma of quantum mechanics, and the hard problem of consciousness, because all of that points us in a direction that shows that uh, it's a far deeper mystery uh, than I ever knew before my coma. And, of course, a lot of this world has known that for ages, and a lot of scientists are already on board with this, and we're just trying to move this world forward. I, I know. I, th- I think what happened to you in 2008, which, you know, you had this rare form of um, bacterial meningitis that almost took your life, and, and you had a forced experience of spirituality, if you will. But I think it's like perfect timing because I think that the human race is ready for more consciousness and awareness. And who better than a neurosurgeon with academic credentials that are wildly respected have this phenomenal experience and then write about it so eloquently? I think it's just perfect timing, personally. Well, thank you very much. I mean, I would say... um There are many, many authors and thought leaders out there in this world, far wiser than I am, who have been writing about this and talking about this, about this deep mystery of spirit, soul, consciousness for decades. I mean, if not, I mean, really, I think 3,000 years of of (laughs) writing is about the truth. Uh, But anyway, there are a lot of very bright minds out there, and... You know, I thank them. I'm very grateful to them for really prepping the world, because I would say if if my book had come out 10 or 15 years ago, I think it would have hit such an uphill battle trying to get into mainstream that it couldn't have done it. So I'm very grateful to thought leaders, and I think a lot of events in our world over the last few decades uh, have really kind of been banging open this door of awareness and showing that our very simplistic material scientific model uh, that completely ignores consciousness, soul, spirit, uh, is about to go down because too many people realize that it fails on so many levels and that consciousness is a far deeper mystery. And that is where I think we're all headed with this. And um, the world is now ready, thanks to a lot of other people. Yes, well, of course. And, of course, thank you for you. Because I think it takes courage, when, especially when you work in such a scientific realm, um, to step out and say something that's, that historically has seemed to be the opposite of that. And, you know, if it wasn't for this rare, unusual experience, which I think w- was magic, actually. I'm very sorry that you suffered your coma and your meningitis and all of those things. But I, I think it was all part of um, your path. Well, of course, I've, I've come to realize that every 
breath is a gift, and I've come to realize that um, things like hardships and difficulties in life, and that includes illness or injury, um, are often opportunities for growth, and they're growth of our souls in higher levels, and having to realize that our souls work together with soulmates and that we're here to teach and learn with our soulmates uh, all the lessons that... uh, that often present as difficulties. I used to say that they were, you know, unanswered prayers. And, Mm -hmm. of course, for eight years before my coma, I'd given up entirely on any belief in the power of prayer or any belief in a a loving, personal God. And my coma journey completely changed all that forever. I will never doubt uh, the power of prayer, and I'll never doubt the existence of that all-powerful God at the core of our very consciousness. And so in that sense... uh, it all seems to be something that uh, you know makes more and more sense as I go forward as something that uh, probably did happen for a reason. Right. Yeah. Lots of beautiful reasons. So you know, before two thousand and eight, when you had this coma, that's you know sent you in the hospital on a ventilator for seven days. And physicians were convinced that you were going to die, and your family and your doctors, your beloved doctors who knew you and um, and of course wished for your healing, were working to perhaps, you know, cut off the antibiotics that weren't working that well anyway and basically say goodbye to you. Right. It it was just a really, really difficult time for so many friends and relatives, and uh, they really thought that it it was the end of my doctors. You know, when I went in the emergency room initially, I was already in coma and seizing and you know, I don't remember any of that. I don't remember anything from the physical world for those seven days and had to glean all that from information provided by others much later. Um, but by when I went in the emergency room, my chance of uh, of surviving that illness, because they knew I had bacterial meningitis and I'd gone into coma within a few hours, uh, and that gives you about a 10% or less chance of survival. By the end of the week, having not responded to triple antibiotics, and they were actually using heroic doses well beyond the maximum recommended levels of three very powerful antibiotics trying to control this, um, I was down to about a 2% chance of survival, no chance of recovery. And, of course, that was morning of day seven. It was a Sunday morning. That's when I did start coming back. And, of course, I tell all that in the book, but uh, many, many people there were transformed by this, not just me, not just my immediate family, but the entire journey has been transformative of lives all around me because people realize what all has happened here and what this really means for each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so this E. coli, a very rare form of um, bacterial infection, at, at first your doctors were concerned and, and researchers that perhaps um, an epidemic could even be around the corner because they had very they had a lot of difficulty tracing uh, the uh, you know the originating area of how this happened and you had been in Israel um, a few weeks prior and there had been some unusual bacteria present in that part of the world and some research going on and they thought maybe it happened there. Um, but uh, did they ever find out the cause of the infection? No, no, they never never found out a cause which. Uh... To me, you know, I think is just one of those reasons uh, that was to keep me uh, focused. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the fact that it was a one in ten million illness and then a one in a billion uh, recovery. Um, you know, I was not so 
uh, ready to just kind of let it go and and take the default position of oh I guess well you know dying brain does very weird tricks you know <laughs> ultra reality of beyond description uh, must just be you know a trick of the dying brain and that's why it was you know having the profound realization that I did four months out about uh, the identity of that. Uh, uh, beautiful companion on the butterfly wing. I mean, that was crucial. It kind of pushing me through to the next level of understanding here. Um, you know, that to understand the depths of what this was telling me about the nature of existence and consciousness. Yeah, the butterfly is really poignant in your book. It has a lot to do with even the sadness and sorrow that you experienced for years prior to the coma. Um, you know, that you have a biological family you were adopted, and, and so was one of your sisters. And um, that your biological family, when you reached out to them, which you had over the years, um, but when there was finally a connection, at the time, they were in great grief for losing um, a daughter and your sister, actually. And they um, didn't want to connect. And it kind of sent your world into a tailspin. Well, that that it did. It, in fact, is, is, you know, I tell the story in my yeah. book in great detail that uh, when I found out about you know, my birth family and, and all of that, uh, it sent me in such a tailspin, and also because it was associated with what I perceived as a rejection by that birth family, that I lost all faith in prayer and in any kind of a loving personal God in 2000. And that was crushed out of me, every last atom of that, uh, until my coma eight years later. Mm. And, of course, that changed everything for me forever. Mm, wow. I mean, it's it's truly a fascinating story. There's lots of turns and twists and then beautiful an- analogies of heaven and love and compassion and consciousness. It's really quite go- gorgeous. I'm having the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Evan Alexander. He will be here in Seattle in a couple of weeks talking at the Center for Spiritual Living. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. If you live in or near Orange County, California, you won't want to miss Marie's upcoming events at Awakenings Bookstore in Laguna Hills. Friday, June 7th, Marie will be giving a free talk and signing copies of Intuitive Self-Healing. Then on Saturday, June 8th, Marie will be teaching a four-hour workshop on intuitive health. Come join in on the fun and you might even receive a mini reading. Call Awakenings Bookstore at 949-457-0797 to register. Again, 949-457-0797. Can you tell if this burger contains bacteria that could cause kidney failure? Listen. Can't, can you? You can't see it either. There's only one way to tell if you've cooked meat and poultry to a bacteria-killing temperature. Use a food thermometer. It's not an extra step or a nice-to-have. Raw or undercooked meat may contain bacteria that can make you very sick or worse. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year, and roughly 3,000 will die. But you can keep your family safer by using a food thermometer every time. Learn more about this and other important information. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. That's foodsafety.gov. 
A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. We bring a unique talk radio blend your way every Friday and Saturday on 1150 KKNW. From pop culture to the paranormal, you get variety in a conversational style. Whether it's UFOs or ESP, angels or the afterlife, Bigfoot or your big dreams, everything is fair game on our show. Join the A-Team of Alternative Talk Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on the station that leads the pack without following the herd. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Do you want to know what heaven is really like? Join Dr. Eben Alexander, author of the New York Times bestseller, Proof of Heaven, a neurosurgeon's journey into the afterlife, on Friday, June 14th, at the Center of Spiritual Living, as he shares his transformative experience, its profound lessons, and complete revision of everything he has come to believe about science, consciousness, spirituality, and the very nature of all existence. Visit Marie's events page at energyintuitive.com to register. Radio with no added hormones or preservatives. All natural alternative talk, Show. We're live here in Seattle. I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Eben Alexander, a neurosurgeon who went into a seven-day coma, had a phenomenal life experience on the other side, um, really breathtaking and beautiful, and he's gracious enough to share it with the world, travel and teach, and, and help all of us raise our consciousness. He will be in Seattle. In fact, we're going to be giving away to our next caller um, a pair of tickets to a private reception for Dr. Alexander. In fact, the location is secret. Um, so it can stay private. So our next caller who calls in will get a pair of tickets to that. It'll be on the 13th. On the 14th, he will be at the Center for Spiritual Living. That's June 14th. It's a Friday. He'll be giving a talk between 7 and 9 p.m. You definitely want to go to heartmindproductions.org, or you can go to my website, energyintuitive.com. Click on the events page, and there's a link directly to purchasing tickets. And then on Saturday, June 15th, Dr. Alexander will be teaching a workshop on sacred sound meditation. He'll be sharing the stage with Karen Noel of Sacred um, Acquisitions. Together, they will guide the group in a meditative experience and using sacred sound. That will also be at the Center for Spiritual Living because the tickets are growing in number for that for these events and of course the center for spiritual living has beautiful space to um, allow for as many seattleites as possible to attend the events so welcome back to the show dr alexander well thanks good to be here yeah i um you know i I don't want to give away the whole book because it's so fun to read it um there was several things my favorite page is actually page 83 of the book and it's where you talk about um, the small particles of evil, which, um, you know, although they could be felt throughout the universe and certainly quite a few here on planet Earth, which I always tell clients and students of mine that who tend to be a little frightened to seek out the, the non-physical realm, which is where you believe where the real essence of truth is, comes from the non-physical realm, which I completely agree, um, that, you know, there's always this fear of the unknown. And I always tell people it's a lot crazier here on Earth than it is outside of the Earth plane. And the way you describe it is that the 
the evil or the this sad energy, however you want to dis- describe it, it's so tiny that it could it could fit into a grain of sand. Right. Well, for me, that was very clear. And of course, the purpose of our soul's existence and and why one would have moral and natural evil and all those things, uh, there were deep lessons about all of that. But I remember clearly uh, at the Early on when I got into the core, which was outside of the higher dimensional multiverse and not only our space-time but of a higher dimensional causality, what I call deep time, in the realm where our souls are between lives, um, it was very clear in this demonstration of the higher dimensional multiverse that evil uh, was present just as a trace impurity. And it's mainly in these lower realms, and that had to do with um, the fact that we are loved so much by that creator, by God, that we are given the gift of free will in spite of all of the, you know, the hardship and pain and suffering that can emerge from some of the choices we make given our free will. And and yet it was so powerful to to see how that all worked, that love, in fact, that unconditional and infinitely powerful love, which I see as healing at all levels, um, is the dominant constituent, even in these lowest of realms, uh, that evil is present only as, as kind of the trace impurity. And that, uh, you know, that was a beautiful gift, and so much of understanding it has to do with realizing how powerful, I mean, basically infinitely powerful, that unconditional love is. Uh, and the old saying, you know, there's nothing to fear but fear itself, well, in fact, that has a much deeper meaning, because by knowing the power of that love and that we are all so deeply loved by that Creator who has infinite power, uh, there's no force that can overcome that, and therefore that love is the, the most dominant power. And it's the fear itself is what breeds a lot of the badness that we have, both in this realm and in kind of the lower spiritual realms. So... Seeing this uh, in its true context allows one to really go into that world fearless and to live in this world in a fearless fashion, knowing that love, compassion, and forgiveness are the guides to living. Right. And you write about that in that book, that those of us in the human realm, our free will and our ability to, to make choices is, is keenly watched by the divine, that, that really um, our, uh, the love for ourselves, if we can reach that pinnacle and our compassion for all that exists— really does help us to evolve immensely here in this somewhat dense, um, kind of what I call low vibrational time-space reality. Right, right. You know? Well, I, th- I think that's very true, and and it, I think it's important to point out, um, and this is something, you know, a point that I make in the book, but I, I try and emphasize my presentations, is that that all-powerful, infinitely loving God, creative source of all of this universe, is not out there somewhere, but in fact is in each and every one of us, deep in our conscious awareness. And that's why meditation, centering prayer, uh, gift of desperation, there are many ways that we can come to know the reality of that all-powerful God. Um, And it's no farther away than deep in our own consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I grew up like many, uh, you know, in the 60s and 70s, when you heard, oh, it's all in your mind, uh, you know, that was kind of a put-down, like, oh, it's all just in your mind, you can forget about it. Whereas, in reality, you know, what quantum mechanics has been trying to tell us for a long time is mind and consciousness are far more profound uh, agents of, 
you know, existence and reality than one would ever think from the purely materialist uh, viewpoint that says brain creates mind. Uh, and that is an important thing to understand because the power of our consciousness, especially knowing that connection that we all share deeply with each other and then with the divine infinite creator of the universe, that power is, uh, is tremendous for manifesting uh, a realm that is much uh, healthier than, than what we have now. Right. In your experience in this near-death experience that you had, which was unusual than many, uh, as you write in your book, the many reported cases where people actually have consciousness of their life on Earth and awareness while they're also receiving a life review and experiencing similar messages that you experience as well. But you didn't have that. You you really did not remember being a doctor, a husband, a father, a brother, all of that was stripped away from you, which was truly a blessing so that you could really let go and and engage in these other realms of awareness. Right. I think that's a very important point to to clarify. And, you know, a lot of it is that my initial interpretation in the first few months out, um, I was thinking that... uh, you know, that very primitive earthward mind view that I discussed was the best consciousness my brain could muster while it was, uh, you know, overwhelmed by the severe should-have-killed-me infection. Uh, and then, of course, the mystery, the deepest mystery, was the fact that, uh, you know, the neuroscientist in me before coma would have told you the next step beyond that earthward mind view as I got sicker and sicker was to go into nothingness. But in mm-hmm. fact, that's not what happened at all. That's when the blinders came off, and that's when there was that beautiful, pure white light spinning melody that opened up into that idyllic, ultra-real gateway realm. And uh, that just completely defied everything I'd ever been taught about, you know, brain-mind consciousness. And that is kind of the crux of, of my story, is really understanding why that severe meningitis plays such an important role. Uh, any other disease that would have put me in coma, any other reason mm. to have a near-death experience would have not accomplished any of this. Wow. None of this would have happened. Wow. It has, it's, it's absolutely crucial that I had this overwhelming meningitis that wiped out the human part of my brain, the neocortex. Now, I can tell you that after many years, I realized that explaining it all is a far deeper mystery than that. But that was important, you know, for the first stages of my understanding, was I attributed my amnesia for my life before coma, you know, the amnesia that I had while in coma. And, you know, in the first few weeks out, I was recovering all those memories. It took up to six weeks after coma to recover a lot of my neuroscience knowledge and knowledge of consciousness. Um, But that complete eradication of memories did allow for a very deep, very profound journey, but also part of the very crucial lessons. So in essence, it it made my case, although it had some anomalous situations compared to other NDEs, uh, it had so many similarities when you look at other very deep transcendental NDEs that for me it just confirmed the reality of all those experiences. But uh, the other important thing is that there were some clues that had to do with my amnesia for life before. And, of mm. course, one of them that's very noteworthy is the identity of that uh, yes. mysterious companion on the butterfly wing. <laughs> that absolutely mind-blowing revelation right. that defies any of those little simplistic you know, dream or hallucination type thinking. Those things just get thrown right out the window right. because there's no 
way. And that's why I struggled so hard. I was my own worst skeptic for months after my coma. I knew it had been a profound ultra-reality that was shocking. But to me, that it was all too real to be real. Right. And therefore, it had to be some kind of wild and crazy trick of the dying brain. <laughs> and it was only after I went deeply into my own medical records, talking with my neurologists, neurosurgeons who were there when I was in coma, and going over my scans and neuro exams and lab values, that we came to realize, oh, wait a minute, there's no way this happened in your brain. There was no way for it to happen in my brain. And, you know, we looked at all possibilities, and that's why I have the nine hypotheses in the book, and there were other hypotheses we entertained, um, and none of them work. Mm -hmm. And that is really where it kind of hit me that this was a deep story that had to be told. And a beautiful one. So for, for those of you who haven't read the book, um, Eben, uh, you, you found out that your biological parents, who were very young when your mother became pregnant, um, you found out that they married, actually, and had more children. And um, when you were on the other side, your, one of your sisters who had passed away, um, a f- a f- I think a few years before you went into your coma, she was actually there with you on the other side and helping you. And, and you realize this after you got out of your coma, I mean, really, this story is phenomenal and amazing and so beautifully divine put together that you're right. Nobody could make this stuff up. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. I mean, it, um, you know, a bit of a spoiler alert for people reading the book, uh, you know, Proof of Heaven, because yeah. it, uh, I cannot tell you what a world-shaking phenomenon that was for me to have that revelation. And it struck me at a very, very deep level. And it totally, you know, ran roughshod over any of those little simplistic explanations of dream, hallucination, et cetera. I mean, it just trashed them. And I think <laughs> that is, an, you know, out there in the blogosphere, occasionally you run into comments, uh, you know, from people who claim to have neuroscience backgrounds and neurology backgrounds who are writing about this and saying it's a dream or hallucination. Well, obviously, they paid absolutely no attention to any of the facts in my case and uh, are not acknowledging that I was my own worst skeptic for a long time and right. and went into detail in my medical records with a lot of colleagues and right. have uh, gone into detail about all of this with people who are very deep thinkers about mind, brain, consciousness, uh, to try and come up with the right explanations. And if you simply, you know, ignore it outright and say it was a dream or hallucination, then clearly uh, you're not doing your homework enough to even have an opinion worth listening to, uh, because there's a lot more to the discussion. And that's why uh, in the book I have an extensive reading list. And if people go to my website, lifebeyonddeath.net, they will find a lot more reading uh, materials and other video interviews, because uh, proof of heaven is the tip of the iceberg. There is so much more to that story. Uh, in fact, the manuscript was more than three times as long as the current book because I was writing the manuscript for myself. Mm-hmm. I was trying to understand it you know, deeply with everything I knew about reality and physics and cosmology and consciousness, trying to come up with a, a way of seeing my experience that at least made some kind of uh, sense, uh, even though I, I can promise you that Human brain and mind will never, ever understand everything and certainly not explain all of that creative realm of that God. It's so far beyond our knowing ever. Uh, And that's a crucial thing to understand. I mean, cosmologists and physicists coming up with theory of everything, uh, you know, forget about it. They're, They're never going to be able to explain everything. 
Well, and that's why I think that someone like yourself or even Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who had her stroke of insight, I think that's why it's happening in the medical establishment with very well-educated, respectable people with amazing credentials to help us all, you know, become more curious and more aware and align to our free will and begin to live in loving and compassion. I'm interviewing Dr. Alexander, the author of Proof of Heaven. He'll be in Seattle June 13th through the 15th, and we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Have you been thinking about heading down a healthier path, but aren't quite sure where to begin? Marie has a set of DVDs that can help steer you in the right direction with wisdom, insight, and a dash of humor. The Healing From Within series imparts practical tools you can easily use to expand personal health. Marie collaborated with frequent radio guest and naturopath, Dr. Sheila Dunmerritt to produce four DVDs that include detoxification, heart health, brain health and hormones the dvd series can be purchased online at energyintuitive.com or by calling 425-825-5671 do you want to know what heaven is really like join dr evan alexander author of the new york times bestseller proof of heaven a neurosurgeon's journey into the afterlife on Friday, June 14th, at the Center of Spiritual Living, as he shares his transformative experience, its profound lessons, and complete revision of everything he has come to believe about science, consciousness, spirituality, and the very nature of all existence. Visit Marie's events page at energyintuitive.com to register. Hey, there's my son. Hey, Dad. Um, what's wrong with your voice? There is nothing wrong with my voice. Well, it's just sort of... Hello, Dad. Susan? Guys, I think it's about time to get in the car and maybe see some green things. What are these green things you speak of? This weekend, unplug. Getting closer to nature can get you closer to your family. To find the forest nearest you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Wisdom Within is a new talk radio show featuring psychic medium and healer Lindsay Paul and animal intuitive and healer Shauna Fisher. From your lunch break to vacation, from your car to your kitchen, from despair to newfound awareness. Join this enthusiastic duo as they fearlessly tap into the depths of wisdom and help you soar to new heights by answering your ultimate questions. Get your weekly dose of spirituality with a kick of reality rolled into one hour. Thursdays at 1 p.m. Get out of your head and tune into your soul. Marie is delighted to announce that she will be teaching two interactive workshops at both Hollyhock locations this year. First up is her intuitive health workshop at the beautiful Cortez Island in British Columbia, June 14th through the 19th. This tranquil setting is the perfect backdrop to invigorate your self-healing skills with intuition. November 8th through the 10th, Marie will be back at Hollyhock, Vancouver, BC location to teach a two and a half day workshop on connecting to guidance. Learn how to open the channels of communication with your guides and tap into vast resources of wisdom. Don't forget to register online at hollyhawk.ca. News, traffic, and weather? Now you can get your information fixed weekdays on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Uh, 
thank you for the music, Benny. It's just perfect. A little rock and roll heaven music about angels. How lovely. More of an 80s riff. Uh, It reminds me of the days of roller skating, so I just (laughs) had to bring it back. I loved roller skating. Right? Who doesn't? Okay, that was so much fun doing spins and... (laughs) Well, shoot you the could, duck, you know. Well, no, shoot the moon, I believe. It was shoot, shoot the, the duck. Moon. I was thinking, we shoot the duck. Shoot well, but the, but you know, I'm a little bit older than you, so they could have hey. changed the name, right? Exactly. No, That's exactly what I think happened. <laughs> yeah. No, that was very fun. So we've been roller skating here in the studio, and of course, talking to Proof of Heaven author Dr. Evan Alexander, and we do have a winner. For those tickets to the private mm-hmm. reception, who is it? Yeah, it was Carmen from Seattle, so congratulations to her. Oh, and of course, someone from the Center of Spiritual Living will contact you about where this event is, because it's secret, so that it can be a private reception. And I, I know you that you will enjoy it. Dr. Alexander is very approachable and lovely. And so welcome back to the show, Dr. Alexander. Well, great to be here. Yeah, lovely. So when you finally were getting some consciousness, earth consciousness... Um, a limited form of consciousness from my perspective, Uh, one of the people who was pulling you back into your body, because you had heard while you were on the other side that you were going back. You didn't know what that was for a while, but you were going back, and they kept telling you, as they were also telling you all is well, and and how you were loved beyond anything you could possibly imagine. And and it was a really profound experience in, in many aspects for you on the other side. Oh, yes, it was, absolutely. And, of course, um, you know, I go into a lot of that in the book and a lot of that of kind of the the deeper lessons, uh, which is, uh, in part, some of the things that I had to pull out of the manuscript because I said it was more than three times as long as Proof of Heaven. There was a lot of very deep uh, uh, lessons concerning the nature of of free will, predeterminism, causality, space-time, and and those are things that I'll be putting out in a later book, but I thought they would just get in the way of this book. This book had to be pretty straightforward uh, and was written really for the general reader, and I also would say I wrote it largely for the kind of skeptical mind, the open-minded skeptic who truly wants to get at uh, the truth about existence, which is what I think this is all about, is trying to leap beyond the kind of old, tired dogma that may not be so true and get more deeply into truth about our reality. Um, and yes, there were so many revelations from Deep in Coma, but one of the the most important had to do with that the power of that love, how love was the constituent of that uh, multiverse, especially as one is in the higher dimensional realms, but even down this realm, that love is so powerful, uh, and unconditional love. And, of course, the words get kind of thrown around a lot, and uh, uh, many people who've had near-death experiences or other spiritually transformative experiences come back knowing what that means, what that feeling really is that transcends the words uh, in so many ways. But it has that uh, tremendous power to change this world and to heal each and every one of us by knowing that power. And it was really, as much as I was told, every time I went to that core realm outside the higher dimensional multiverse, you'll be going back. And for a long time, I'd, I'd started thinking that back was that earth where my view that I kept falling into, you know, that kind of coarse, uh, monotonous, unresponsive realm. Um, But in fact, uh, it was then, towards the very end of this long journey, that I saw those six faces that I describe in the book that were so helpful at at telling me when the whole experience happened, that showed it happened between days one and five. It did not happen, you know, on day, late day six or day seven when I was coming out of coma, but all happened before that. And, and, of course, the real reason I came back 
was that sixth phase, you know, the 10-year-old boy. Uh, and I couldn't remember who he was, although it was my son, my youngest son, Bond, and it was my love for him that really, finally, you know, to me was the big message, oh, my gosh, I have to come back. Uh, because until that time, the only defense I'd had uh, in this realm was I could continue to exist or not exist, and it did not matter. And it was that kind of fearlessness about the outcome that allowed such a deep journey. And that's why when I actually saw that sixth face, and it was uh, my son, even though at the time I, I did not have enough of my human memories of this life back uh, to you know identify that as my son Bond, uh, I felt that extremely powerful connection and knew I had to come back to be there for him. And in fact, he was there in the ICU room that morning, that seventh morning. He had just overheard the doctor saying it was time to stop antibiotics and let me go. And they tried to protect him from the bad news all week. He overheard that, ran into the room, pulled my eyes open. <laughs> yeah. Even though my, you know, at that time my brainstem was so damaged because this was a severe meningoencephalitis, I'd had brainstem damage from the first day. So my eye movements were whacked. I had, you know, one eye one way, one. 30 degrees off the other, pupils fixed. It was a very horrible neurologic exam, as anybody will tell you. Um, so I didn't see him with my eyes or hear him with my ears, but when he was in there with pulling my eyes open, saying, Daddy, you're going to be okay, Daddy, you're going to be okay, Daddy, you're going to be okay, something about that reached across all those dimensions, and I knew I had to come back for him. And I had to do that. And that was, I really came back out of my love for him. And then, of course, I've come to realize that I probably came back for bigger reasons, too. But sure. certainly that was the, the main, as always, the love is at the core of it all. Right. Absolutely. And he's going to be with you when you're in Seattle. Uh, yeah, Bond will be with me. I'm, yeah. He's out of school for the summer. And I, I've been so busy traveling, you know, telling my story. I haven't seen a lot of Bond lately. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to doing some traveling with him. Oh, well, it'll be a real treat. He's never been to the Pacific Northwest, so this will be a real, well, I'm sure he'll uh, love real it. treat for both of us to, so I can show it to him. Yeah, I'm sure he will absolutely love it. So I'm just going to remind people again that you're going to be here in Seattle. There's a um, Friday, June 14th, 7 to 9 p.m. at the Center for Spiritual Living. And then on Saturday, also at the Center for Spiritual Living on June 15th, Sacred Sound Meditation. People can also find more about Karen Newell um, of sacredacoustics.com, or they can also find um, information about you, lifebeyonddeath.net and eternia.org. These are all places where people can reach and find out about what you're doing and all the lovely things you're doing in the world. We have a question, so we're going to go to our callers and let someone ask a question for you, Dr. Alexander. Yeah, we'll bring on Lori from Auburn. Actually, has a question for Dr. Alexander. Lori, welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. What's going on? Hi, thanks for taking my call. I've read your book, and I love it. Well, thank you. Uh, yes, I recently gave notice uh, my current job, and because I know it's just not the right place for me, and I have not made a major plan as to what I'm going to do next. And I hear what you say about not having fear, and, you know, it's, it's kind of an illusion in our mind, but how do I try to stay in a place of trust and and let go of that fear as I make this major life change? Well, I, I think that's a, that's a wonderful question because so much of this, I think, is about how do we, um, you know, take some of these lessons into our day-to-day -day life. And, of course, there are 
many hardships and difficulties in life and, you know, finding the right job and the right kind of work situation is a very important part of our overall well-being. Um, and I can tell you that my approach to all of that has, has very much gotten into uh, using meditation or centering prayer, getting mm-hmm. uh, and and asking for uh, guidance, asking for the right thing to happen, and uh, that's one of the reasons that I, I love the work with Sacred Acoustics uh, with Karen Newell and Kevin Cossey, uh, SacredAcoustics.com. They have free download and other things. It's all about audio enhancement of deep meditative states, mm-hmm. and the thing is that what what we can find there for me. Um, Deep meditation and centering prayer are very much the same thing, even though I use uh, kind of auditory boosting, you know, binaural beats and then the more enhanced sacred acoustics type things. Um, it's really about uh, knowing that we are loved and asking for help and guidance and prayer to have the right outcome and to have the discernment to see, uh, you know, what is the right thing for us to be doing at a given point in time. And often, you know, we're we're meant to be kind of questioning our path and uh, kind of going into that kind of a meditative state to uh, uh, try and seek some kind of knowing. Uh, important to understand that that kind of meditation, for me, uh, involves turning off the little voice, the little voice mm-hmm. in the head, you know, which is tightly tied to the ego, tightly tied to self, uh, is not my consciousness, you know. My consciousness is aware of that voice, mm-hmm. but when I go into meditation, uh, I, that voice often will make a request, you know, state an intention, offer up some gratitude about all the blessings, because for me everything is gratitude, and mm-hmm. then uh, I let that little voice be silent, because as I coast deeper and deeper into a meditative state like that, the answers start coming from that deeper consciousness that transcends one's own mind and kind of, you know, inner human self and consciousness. And that's where a lot of the answers come from. So my uh, my suggestion uh, in your circumstance would be uh, to go into that kind of meditation or, or pray for getting the answer uh, and, of course, always knowing that we are deeply loved and will be taken care of, and that the fear is the thing that breeds so much of the badness in life. And for me, it's it's become very clear that by, uh, you know, realizing that the fear is something that I bring to the table and that it generates so much of the badness in, in both my life in the physical realm and also uh, my spiritual existence in, in higher realms, all I need to do is to adopt that attitude that is fearless and that trusts in that all-loving, all-powerful uh, creator of the universe. And that is what then allows me to move to the next level with things. Wow, beautiful. Thank you so thank much you. for calling in. That well, thank you nice. for your question. So, um, Dr. Alexander, before we end our beautiful talk today, I know you're very busy. In fact, when we were off air, I was just saying it's a great thing that you became a neurosurgeon because that's a very busy career. <laughs> right. And now you can totally handle having this very busy public career. You know? right. Well, I, I, I embrace every bit of it. I Aww. mean, I just love it. It's a real gift. Oh, um, One of the things that you wrote about in your book, which I also loved, was about prayer, that the people who had been praying for you uh, on a regular basis, even the ones by your bedside or even someone who wasn't at your bedside and, and who were like continually praying for you, um, you could actually see them as you were, you could see their faces. It was almost like their energy was as close to you as they possibly could be. 
and you could you witness them as you were coming back into your human reality. Yes, it. it uh, I mean, that was, a, you know, a very striking part of the whole journey was, uh, and that came at a point as I explained in the book after. I had found that my access to those higher, you know, the ultra-real, beautiful, idyllic realms and outside of this universe and the core, uh, that I was no longer able to use the melody to get back in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there was a lot of sadness, but at that point I had complete trust that I would indeed be taken care of. And that's when I saw all those arcs and arcs of beings kneeling around me, thousands of them going off into the distance, um, and there was all this murmuring and beautiful energy coming up from them uh, that was giving me that same loving comfort of, of unconditional love that I had felt in that uh, gateway realm and in the core, you know, in the in the beautiful, idyllic, heavenly uh, parts of the journey. And, and it was such a revelation to me to see that that actually was tied with this kind of lower realm that I seemed to be coming back into with all these beings arcing out into the distance. And, of course, when I was writing it all up a few weeks later, I said what all that murmuring and beautiful energy of love was about was prayer, that they were praying for me. That was the word. I didn't have any word like that when I was deep in coma. But it's very important to understand uh, that those prayers are very powerful. They do have a tremendous effect, and, and there are studies that have been done to to try and show the benefit of prayer. And, of course, uh, you, you have to be careful about how you do those stories and make it as na- or studies and make it as natural a prayer as can be for loved ones. Uh, and, of course, it works across distance. Distance is not an impediment at all. And uh, important to understand that we're not always meant to physically recover from an illness. None of us are meant to live forever. So obviously, uh, sooner or later, we all succumb to some physical illness in this incarnation. But that's why it was so important to understand the deeper lessons about reincarnation that are crucial to understanding my overall uh, message. And, of course, some of the tragedies in life, loss of a child, uh, some of the really kind of inexplicable things like the Newtown, Connecticut shootings uh, that make no sense no matter how I turn them, uh, as I started to see how reincarnation was such a crucial part of our existence and that we work with our soulmates over and over again, and then when the physical body dies, our loved one is not gone, and just know that that connection is maintained. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, completely redoing how hospice is done, make, following the model of birthing centers, uh, it's more of a celebration, realize death of the physical body is a transition. But it's not the end of our relationships with other souls. And uh, so much of that, uh, you know, was revealed in this journey and is part of understanding it all. And I get into a lot of that in the book, but also lifebeyonddeath.net goes a lot further than the book in some ways. But the book, of course, has some things that are not on that website. Uh, They complement each other. Well, thank you so much for taking your time from your busy travels. And we wish you safe travels. And I know you're going to have a wonderful time in the Northwest. Thank you so much, Dr. Alexander. Um, Lovely to have you on the show. I'd love to have you again. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to seeing you when I'm out there in June. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the show. I will be in uh, California. I'm going to be in Laguna Beach area June 7th and 8th, and then Hollyhock Cortez coming up on June 14th through the 19th. There's still room. You definitely want to sign up for that intuitive health workshop. It's going to be a lot of fun. Joyful blessings, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.